tips and insights to help small flight operations safely manage their maintenance budgets and best practices. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. The NBAA Small Flight Department Subcommittee, part of the association's Domestic Operations Committee, recently teamed with the NBAA Maintenance Committee to develop a new resource titled Best Practices for Small Flight Department Maintenance. This new guide provides tips and tricks for small flight department managers who may not have a background in maintenance or the resources to hire a full-time maintenance professional. Four industry experts recently discussed the guide and additional advice in a new webinar that is part of NBAA's Small Operator Learning Series, created by the Small Flight Department Subcommittee for Small Flight Department Managers. Today, we'll hear perspectives from this webinar shared by Small Flight Department Subcommittee Chair David Keyes, who's Chief Pilot at Citrus River Products. Caleb Gibson, Pro Ownership Maintenance Specialist with Textron Aviation. Elaine Karabatsos, Director of Aviation Maintenance at Encompass Health, and Dylan Miller, who flies a Challenger 604 for a small flight department. First up, how can small flight departments implement best practices for maintenance documentation? David? Well, that's the obvious question. We're not mechanics, so we, we have to learn what to do. Um, over the years, just talking to professionals like Elaine and Caleb have helped and, and the maintenance documentation people. Uh, we use a tracking company that tracks our documents. So uh, they, in conjunction with us, figure out the best practices. Um, I think it's, it's, uh, it's one of the challenges that we have. If you don't understand what maintenance program your airplane's on, you don't understand what you're legally supposed to keep, it makes for a really tough challenge for department managers. When we put together this best practices, uh, we talked to a lot of experts in the industry and we've kind of, from a small flight department committee, figured out some best practices. You know, under part 91.7, the, the pilot in command is responsible for the airworthiness of their airplane. And that doesn't mean you just throw the keys to the maintenance center and get in your airplane and, and when they're done and, and go off, you need to have some kind of system to check to make sure that the sign offs are proper, the work was done, that uh, everything is legal on your airplane. So one of the suggestions was to err on the side of over documentation, just every piece of paper that you get on the maintenance, put it in a logbook, and, and try and keep it organized. Um, the experts that we talked to said, uh, always review the documents when you get them. And that's something I had to learn. When the airplane comes out of maintenance, especially the service center, you just don't grab the, the packet and throw it in the, in the logbook and, and take off. And then six months down the road, they're looking for something. You find out that it was a wrong right sign off. And all of a sudden, you're having to unwind six months worth of idle time to get it corrected. Um, and uh, Elaine and Caleb are going to talk about some of the importance of some of the cards um, and keeping what records we're supposed to have. Um, as a pilot, the question should always be, if an FAA inspector walks up to my airplane, how can I prove that it's airworthy? And so you should have some kind of documentation. Now a lot of it's digital, uh, either on your phone or in, the, in a file that you can prove that the inspections have been completed and your, your plane is airworthy. Dylan, is there anything you wanted to on that on that topic that we may want to 
expand a little bit? Uh, you know, as, as a fellow pilot, Dave, I, I think it was interesting when we had talked about how to correctly document a maintenance issue and communicate it to our, our maintenance department or, or whoever is maintaining the aircraft. I know in our department, we've used our smartphones quite a bit to capture maintenance discrepancies. Uh, if we're seeing some an indication in the cockpit, um, we'll take a video or a photo. Um, and I was just curious what the best practice is, uh, Elaine and Caleb, to, to communicate those kind of uh, media items to the maintenance folks. One thing is to document your discrepancies, to have a proper way of putting everything in there, um, a good record, uh, especially when you're talking to your maintenance provider or if you have a maintenance technician of your own, um, having a good place where your write-ups are when you're coming back to home base or where you have things that you want to address when you're for a scheduled maintenance service. Um, the write-ups are really important and not just what the flight crew recognizes, it's also how the maintenance um, provider is signing it off for you as well. And documentation, Dave, you said it the best way, organization on your maintenance records are, are the best thing you could have as a small operator. I think uh, one of the questions, one of the conversations I've had is as we move into the digital world, why do we still have the paper products? And and we're not there yet. The FAA has not moved that. So you, you, while everything is documented digitally, you still need to have the paper. And, and a lot of us, older people understand that, but I think a lot of the younger managers I've spoken to are just like, well, it's digitally saved. Why do I need to put the logbooks, uh, a piece of paper in the logbooks? I think the other recommendation that came out was secure the logbooks. I, I know too many folks that leave them on their airplane, and I think you're just exposing them to being lost or, or exposed to damage. We lock ours in a uh, waterproof, fireproof gun safe in their office, so <laughs> it could literally flood and a hurricane could come here in Florida and, and our flight logbooks would still be secure which is important for the value of the airplane. So, yeah, I mean, maybe in the future, I think eventually they'll, they'll go digital. You two can maybe explain that or give your thoughts. But for now, you still need the paper products. Caleb, what do you think? The physical document, the, the log book, and however big it may be based on the age of your aircraft, it may be made up of multiple binders um, of maintenance records from the history of this aircraft. Um, those are invaluable. Keep those. Those are going to be reviewed physically when your aircraft goes to pre-buy. If you ever do sell it, those are what um, should have been reviewed when you all purchase the, the asset. And uh, so right now, we are living in the edge of both worlds. The, the digital is very convenient. I use it all the time because it's a quick way for me to remotely assist some of my operators with digging into the maintenance archives and finding what was done when. Um, the physical copy, you can't just uh, disregard it. Something to actively maintain as well. Now, one of the one of the suggestions was to scan your documents when you get them, even though they're saved digitally, uh, say in a, in a maintenance uh, records keeping program. But uh, as a manager, to scan the documents for for searchability, uh, that a question comes up on when was the last time we changed that part, you can go in and in the PDF file and scan, uh, you know, search for that that information versus having to flip through um, a lot of records to try and find it. So I think it's just important to know that you have to keep the records, you have to keep everything and keep them secure. Uh, there's no way around that. So yeah. Having multiple copies of um, your records are always a positive thing. So think about it 
Maintenance always does everything with a second eye. Having a, another set of your records, um, either via paper or digital, is always a good practice right now until we are fully, fully uh, digital for everything. Scanning your, your work orders and scanning all your documents to whatever work you complied with and having it on whatever computer program um, you use for your maintenance tracking is another excellent way of keeping up. So when you are on the road and end up doing maintenance somewhere else and say you're flying along and you have to go somewhere um, and it's, not an, it's an unscheduled maintenance, this way, whatever provider you're at could always pull up your records and see where you were uh, in the maintenance of when the last time this was changed with part numbers or such like that. Aircraft and engine OEMs can also be important resources for small flight departments. As Caleb notes, developing a collaborative relationship with the manufacturer isn't just about ensuring support. It can also help small flight departments navigate the OEM process and could even help expedite access to parts. I think all of us that are in a support role at an OEM, we do what we do uh, because we want you to be successful. We enjoy aviation. We enjoy seeing airplanes in the sky where they're supposed to be. So our intent is not to be a roadblock, uh, but rather another tool in your flight department's tool belt uh, to help you with that. So we want to help. And having that partnership, developing that relationship early on, knowing who to reach out to before you need them, and having somewhat of an idea of who that person is, that they know you, they know a little about your aircraft, your operation. Um, I have operators that I work with uh, routinely that are that are assigned to me in a way, and if they have an issue, I'm, I'm getting texts from them in flight over the Wi-Fi, and it works great because I can have them try stuff um, while they're in the aircraft that's gonna save hours and even days of troubleshooting time because it's real-time information that we may not be able to replicate on the ground. And so develop that, reach out, get to know who those folks are. Um, they're in support roles at the various OEMs that uh, airframes you're flying uh, because they want to help. So tap into that. Of course, money is also a top concern for many small flight departments. David and Elaine note that there are a range of options available to help small flight departments best utilize available funds to support the maintenance needs of their aircraft. Depending on how your operation op is, you may be comfortable with a all-inclusive maintenance program uh, that says we're covering parts, we're covering labor, we're covering the engines, we're covering the APU, we're covering the avionics at this hourly cost. And the boss goes, well, that's why I know what it costs to, to fly my airplane. Uh, the, the rest of us tend to not fall in that category. So now comes the challenge of figuring out what it's going to cost and whether you would do a budget or not it's still important to know what it's going to cost you to do a big inspection i mean you don't want to walk in there and just say here's our credit card go at it we'll be back in three weeks and pick up the airplane you need to have a sense of what it's going to cost what we've heard is that, that take the, the estimate get several of them if you're not going back to the oem or if the airplane's not under warranty but get estimates from different shops and then you're going to have to add to that. And I've heard anywhere from 10 to, depending on the age of the aircraft, doubling it to, to cover the unexpected repairs that are going to come. One of the things I learned was, okay, I, I, I got my estimate on a big inspection we just did this summer, and none of the consumables were on the estimate. <laughs> so, so for every task, there was a charge for whatever consumable they had to use. And why isn't that? And then they charged 
separately to maybe put something back together. And I said, why is that not part of the inspection? And they go, no, no, that's not part of the inspection. Talking their language and asking the questions. Uh, I think it's so important to whoever you're, you're getting your estimate from. But never just take the estimate, go to the boss and say, look, this is what we're going to do this inspection for. It's always going to run over. Learn the language, too. Uh, those that have older airplane have to learn the difference between what part they're getting. Is it a new part? Is it a reconditioned part? Is it an overhauled part? Is it a part that just came off the airplane and tagged? There's different charges that, that go along with that. Core charges. I've, I've been burnt on that where you've changed out a, a part and paid for it. And then a month later, you get a core charge because the part you sent in is no good. They can't do anything with it. And now you've what you thought you were paying now has increased. So all that to say that, that as you put together a budget for a maintenance event or the maintenance on your airplane, you have to you have to kind of keep in mind that it's not going to be what you think it, you just need to add to it. At least that's been my experience. And I'm gonna let, maybe Elaine could speak into this even more because I think she's managing more airplanes than I am. Well, um, regarding the budget, I mean, it, it is, depending on how deep your pockets are or if you have a budget or you don't have a budget, at the end of the day, it's just knowing what your cost is for your scheduled inspections. And that is getting multiple quotes. That is making sure you have a good understanding of what is being done on your airplane and the cost it's going to be. Like you said, you add 10%. I usually double my quote and add another 10% to be on the safe side. So the main thing you look at is the labor charges when they do get in there. So you're already scheduled, say, for whatever dock inspection you have. But at the end of the day, what is the cost that it's going to be for any additional discrepancies that are found on the airplane? And if you're covered by engine programs or um, parts, avionics, that does help you budget. However, if, um, if you're not, there are the additional costs. And the cost of avionics nowadays, as you know, are going sky high. So these are things to look at. Um, also, the thing is the labor charges. Um, you know, it is the labor charge negotiable prior to going in. So when you go in and you're already there and you didn't negotiate or, or talk to your sales representative about this, these are things that could help you manage your budget better. These tips and more are addressed in the new NBAA resource titled Best Practices for Small Flight Department Maintenance, which offers practical guidance on maximizing personnel resources while also ensuring airworthiness. NBAA members may download the PDF document at nbaa.org forward slash small mx. And if you manage a small flight department, I also encourage you to check out this full webinar presentation and others that are part of NBAA's ongoing small operator learning series, covering not only maintenance best practices, but also concerns about budgeting, insurance, time sharing, and more. You can find the small operator learning series at pathlms.com forward slash NBAA forward slash courses. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.